one of life's most underappreciated talents is to know when it's time to move on to life's next chapter. So I stand before you today, Mr. President, and my colleagues to say this will be my last term as Republican leader of the Senate. So that happened, along with a whole bunch of other stuff. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling that something ain't right. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the From Pacifica Radio, this is the Bradcast, as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in Los Angeles, elsewhere in California, in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, and Round Mountains KKRN, up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO and Eugene's KEPW, Lanchester, Pennsylvania's W News, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, in Columbus, Ohio on WGRN. Palinville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ, down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, in Fairmont, West Virginia on WEFR, up in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950 KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the Internet, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, No Lies Radio, Detour Talk, and most of your favorite podcast sites. Blanketing the globe and usually hosted by Brad Friedman of Bradblog.com. But Brad is out sick today, so you've got guest host Nicole Sandler of The Nicole Sandler Show and me, Broadcast producer Desi Doyan. Hey, Nicole. Hey, Desi. It's good to good to be with you again today. I'm yes, sorry, Brad's not yes. feeling well, but we get to hang. Yes, yes, we do. And I should note that Brad will be here later in the hour for our 15th anniversary Green News report. Um, Brad also wrote about it at bradblog.com. But we have that coming up, so we're not completely Brad-free. Just a little bit for today. 15 years. <laughs> wow. Tell me about it. I know. Wow. Time flies, doesn't yes. it? <laughs> yes, it most certainly does. Anyway, um, let's see. So it's been a very, very busy news day already, and I'm sure Brad is uh, not happy that he's missing out on it. <laughs> it is. So what we should do is go through some of the stuff that happened um, already. And and then uh, let me tell you about the interview we have coming up. Yes. There's an investigative reporter named Jordan Green who works for Raw Story which I found interesting in and of itself because Raw Story is kind of like a news aggregator site. Yes. But they're they're apparently ramping up their investigative reporting uh, prowess. And Jordan Green has been working on this story for many months, investigating a group of teenagers who <clears throat> have formed this neo-Nazi network. Oof. It's astounding. And they got wind of the fact that Jordan Green was investigating them and they've been uh, stalking him. They've been harassing him. They've been threatening him. So the story takes on has a, a bunch of different dimensions. But 
we'll get we'll we'll talk to him a little later in the hour. Great. It sounds quite harrowing, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny because we just moved from Florida to Arizona. And while driving through Florida, while we were passing the Orlando area, there were neo-Nazis outside in front of Disney World. Out in the open, in public. That's not the only time either. They're apparently out there a lot, and the governor doesn't seem to care. Mm. He talks a big game. But when it comes to, you know, stopping Nazis from <laughs> trespassing on, on Disney World property, no. And it's not only that. You know, last week, um, they were out in force marching through the streets of Nashville. So this rise of these neo-Nazi groups is really taking off. But the thing that's so troubling about this one is the indoctrination of kids. So we'll get into all that. But let's talk yes. Let's talk about what's happened so far on this Wednesday. Um Mitch McConnell, as we heard with the opening clip, finally said he is stepping down as Senate Minority Leader in November. Here, here's a little bit of the speech that he delivered from the floor of the Senate. To serve Kentucky in the Senate has been the honor of my life. To lead my Republican colleagues has been the highest privilege. But one of life's most underappreciated talents is to know when it's time to move on to life's next chapter. So I stand before you today, Mr. President, and my colleagues to say this will be my last term as Republican leader of the Senate. I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. However, I'll complete my job. My colleagues have given me until we select a new leader in November and they take the helm. Next January, they take the help. I'll finish the job the people of Kentucky hired me to do as well. Albeit from a different seat. Uh, from a different seat. There's Mitch McConnell. <laughs> um, I, there's so much there that you know what? Write your own punchlines. Indeed. Uh, and his history in, in transforming and, I would say, degrading and eroding the Senate, there will be time to talk about that when he actually uh, does retire. But I just wanted to associate myself with Dan Frumkin of PressWatchers.org. He said today, quote, McConnell dramatically transformed the U.S. Senate from a place that once relied on tradition and precedent and was less partisan and more deliberative than the House into a slaughterhouse for any legislation that might hurt his donor pool. Well, that's very true. Dan yes. often gets it right, as he did this time. Yeah, I, you know, don't let the door hit you, Mitch, but he's not going anywhere. He's going to, he says true. he's going to remain in the Senate. You know, look, I, we're audio only, so you don't see the video. I urge people to seek out the video. Mitch McConnell has lost a lot of weight. And you remember mm -hmm. he had a couple of episodes where he just froze at the microphone. He's not yes, well. Glitched. So I, I, I appreciate him, you know, backing, stepping down from his role as a minority leader. But why is he still staying in the Senate? He's, he's proved that he needs to retire. Although nobody asked me, so I, I just give my opinion anyway. Well, I think it's probably a strategic choice because he's, you know, I hate to say it, one of the few not insane Republicans that are there in the Senate willing to talk about and pass uh, aid for Ukraine, for example. So that might yeah. be why he yeah. might be staying in because he feels like he has to.
Uh, He's also he was in the meeting on Tuesday at the White House. Joe Biden summoned the congressional leaders to the White House to deal with this looming partial government shutdown that is going to happen on Friday. That's just Mm -hmm. Friday. That's just hours away. And um, the. The House, under the leadership, and I'm doing air quotes in case you couldn't see, um, of Mike Johnson, the as a listener dubbed him, the Meeker Speaker, uh, <laughs> um, it, 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 they just took vacation for two weeks. They have a shutdown looming, and he says, okay, now's a good time to leave for two weeks. So they're back on Wednesday, today. And and um, uh, I guess we'll take up the the... the the, the subject of stopping this shutdown. Now, they emerged from the meeting at the Oval Office on Tuesday, and Mike Johnson went right to the microphones, and he said, I think we're going to be able to avoid a shutdown. But you know what that did? It got the crazies in the Republican caucus, which, again, is sort of the majority, um, to, to talk about uh, a discharge petition again. Meaning, yes, talking about removing Mike Johnson from the speaker position because he's trying not to shut down the government. Right. And so I think that it is going to probably come down to the wire again. And it's anybody's guess how that's going to turn out. It is. Um, we, we also we we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Tuesday's primary in Michigan. Where, <laughs> yes. Oh, my goodness. So Rashida Tlaib. Congresswoman Democrat from the Dearborn area, I believe, um, is, I guess, took the lead in trying to encourage Democrats to vote for um, uh, um, uncommitted, uncommitted in yes. the primary instead of voting for Joe Biden. It doesn't do anything. And Biden still won by a huge margin. Of course, he had more, a bigger percentage of the vote than Donald Trump did with uh, Nikki Haley on the ballot. Um, but uh, it's still, I just think with all the problems we've had surrounding our elections lately, look, protest all you want, but leave the vote alone. You don't mess with the vote. Am I hmm. wrong? Well, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't say you're wrong about that. What I would say is that, you know, it is important to put it into context. And that was uh, one thing that I found really irresponsible about the uh, corporate media coverage of the uncommitted vote, because they did not put it into context in the last no. three Democratic presidential primaries, the uncommitted vote has been hovering around 20 percent. So this right. particular result is not that out of the ordinary um, It th- as far as the percentage. Now, the turnout was higher, but the percentage of the vote is, you know, not much better than that. The vote share is not much more than that, like what happened, say, in 2012 when President Obama, now this is the closest analog we have because Obama Mm -hmm. was an incumbent president, that he got about the same amount and he still went on to win the general election. So um, one of the things that, you know, Brad said, he was also struck by the corporate media's lack of coverage of context on this. He noted that Biden won the Michigan primary by 75 points. Trump won the Republican primary by 35 points. So 75 versus 35. But he said, quote, weird, based on the New York Times headline tonight, you'd be hard pressed to understand that Biden is winning more than 81 percent of his party's vote in Michigan, while Trump won just 68 percent of his. But the New York Times tells us Biden faces significant challenges while Trump coasted to victory. 
So I think that exactly. that's exactly. helping to help the public understand what this means. So I understand your position that do not mess with the vote. Don't let Trump get into the White House under any circumstances. But I also, right. I also think it should, you know, the public should be better informed about what this means <laughs> in context. Well, that's why they're listening to the broadcast. <laughs> Because you get it here, you don't get it there. That's Desi Doy and I'm Nicole Sandler. We're in for Brad Friedman today on the broadcast as he's taking a sick day. Uh, We'll take a very quick time out and come back on the other side with Jordan Green, investigative reporter for Raw Story, who has a very harrowing story about neo-Nazi teenagers. Seriously. Yes, a very crazy story. So we'll come back with that uh, right after this. Don't go away. You're listening to the broadcast. Hey, this is Brad. Please consider supporting whichever progressive media outlet is supporting you and the things that you care about. Most, just like us, do not receive corporate or political support. We all need your support to counter the powerful corporate media echo chamber. Right now, as much as ever. If you choose to support us, you can do it really easily, safely, and quickly via bradblog.com donate. From Desi Doyen and myself, thank you. Welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Nicole Sandler, your guest host, hanging today with producer Desi Doyen. As Brad's a little bit under the weather, hopefully he'll be back tomorrow. Uh, in the meantime, I want to share with you this interview. I read a story on Raw Story about the rise of this neo-Nazi group of kids. So I reached out to the reporter who spent the last few months investigating this story. This guy's name is Jordan Green. He's an investigative reporter. And the headline on this story that I saw, again, reads... Stalked by Nazis, how extremists tried to stop me from reporting on their violence. And I read that in the wake of seeing the story last week about Nazis marching through Nashville. Um, so that happened. Now, as we were leaving Florida to move here to Arizona, you know, we drove long drive, the long drive just getting out of Florida. But uh, it reminded me as we're going through Gainesville, I mean, Gainesville through Orlando, you know, Disney World is in Kissimmee, just outside of Orlando. And the Nazis have basically taken up residence outside of Disney World. In fact, here, I'll put the, uh, the, uh, the show card up. You know, I make a little graphic for each day's show. And so if you look at this picture on the far right, those are the Nazis in front of Disney World uh, in the middle. You see that's from uh, Charlottesville and the, the, the photograph on the left, that was Nashville last weekend. And and these Nazis are becoming more and more emboldened. So what this was about is um, this this man who hopefully will return in a moment, our guest, uh, Jordan Green, who is an investigative reporter for Raw Story, um, spent four months investigating this group and they're a neo-nazi group known as 2119 now um i'm gonna let him explain to you what 2119 it's not a year although you think it might be 
but you know, it, it is some, it's just a screwy, th these people are weird, but what's the, the weirdest part of it is that they're teenagers. Um, the main story, he actually wrote a, a series where two big stories, the first one, a, a, a 6,500 word investigative piece based on a four month investigation. The article is called Inside the Neo-Nazi Hate Network, Grooming Children for a Race War. As if there's not enough tension here already, right? And it's about this organization known as 2119. It's led by teenagers, and they've launched a multi-state campaign of violence aimed at Jews, African Americans, LGBTQ plus people, and, quote, leftists. Hey, that's us. Um, so that work made Jordan Green the target of this group. Their actions include death threats, doxing, visits to his house by these people, kids, I guess, dressed in skull masks, holding burning flares. So uh, Jordan wrote about that in his follow-up article titled Hunted by Nazis, How Extremists Stalked Me While I Reported on Their Violence. Um, needless to say, this piece sort of stopped me in my tracks because it, it, there, th these gatherings of Nazis um, is, is almost commonplace now. Again, Disney World. Funny, Ron DeSantis didn't have a problem with the Nazis protesting outside of Disney World. Um, I, I don't recall him ever saying anything about him, uh, anything that uh, alluding to the fact that they shouldn't be there. No, because, you know, he had it in for Disney. So, uh, of course, Nazis protesting against Disney is OK with him. Nashville. What happened last week in Nashville? Well, this is now a regular thing. And so when I read this piece by Jordan Green at Ross Story, I thought I, I need to talk to him. So I, I emailed Jordan and um, he agreed to join us here today. So, hi, Jordan. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to the show. Hi, Nicole. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for writing this and I guess risking your life and limb to bring us the story. Um, I think what's so disconcerting, well, so much is, so much is, but one of the things is that this group is led by kids. They're teenagers. Yeah. Now, uh, let's, let's, mm. I, I'm sorry, you were going to say something? No, 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 go ahead. Okay, yeah, so well. <laughs> let's start with the background. How did you find out about this group 2119? Um, I, I guess they used to be known as Blood and the Blood and Soil Crew. And then, yeah, so they're, um, they are still known as Blood and Soil Crew. 2119 is kind of a numeric uh, code. Um, uh, two is for B, Blood, uh, one for A, and uh, 19 is for us soil. That is, of course, a, a Nazi slogan that equates uh, race with with land. It's a Nazi slogan so from the, the Third the, Reich. The numbers are uh, apply to the little letters in the alphabet. Uh, two is B for blood. One is A for and, and 19 is S for soil. I, uh, you know, I guess they're kids. They they can't they don't they don't have very complex <laughs> ways to come up with a name. Wow. And that's a, I mean, that's a common, common kind of gang uh, nomenclature is to use numeric codes. It's like it means something, it's like an insider language. It means something 
to them and signifies to other rival neo-Nazi gangs. Um, for outsiders who who see it on spray painted on a wall, it may not mean really anything to us. Um, but yeah, I I came upon um, this group last uh, what was December of 2022. Um, folks may remember there was an attack on the uh, power grid in Moore County, North Carolina. Yes. Um, and there was, you know, a lot of it kind of excited chatter among neo-Nazis who are a part of a strain of the white supremacist movement called accelerationism. Um, you know, they're excited about attacks on the power grid in it's part of this idea of like bringing, bringing about a collapse of society. And um, I first saw one of the users on one of these channels mention he was part of a uh, blood and soil crew, a, mm. a youth crew, he described it. Um, so that's how it was first put on my radar. And um, I've kind of followed a, a kind of cluster of these uh, telegram profiles uh, since then and started putting together individuals with um, incidents of criminal vandalism that um, were cropping up across the country in the past year. Uh, and so, this, uh, and I'm sorry, this was like four years ago? No, I'm sorry. It was December of uh, 2022. So okay. it was more than one year ago. Okay. But, um, so it's been a little bit, a little, okay, little so, while. So you've been tracking this group and investigating them. And you, you wrote a couple of stories that are at Raw Story that, that everybody should read because it's, it's bone chilling. I mean, people need to know what is going on. And look, we've, we've all read about the rising incidences of anti-Semitism attacks on synagogues and, you know, just just random Jewish people walking down the street. Um, but this group, they're carrying the swastika flags. Were they related to the group that was in Nashville last weekend? Um, or do we know part of the same part of the same broader network, not the same people. Um, they're all kind of in touch with each other. Um, there's like a bit of a, a rivalry and there are people who kind of flow back and forth from one group to another. Um, but uh, I'm glad that you pointed that out because there is a resurgence of activity by violent neo-Nazis and um, more uh, more openness about displaying um displaying the paraphernalia or the, the symbols, the swastika, um, calling themselves Nazis, doing the Nazi salute. That, the, those are things that in the past um, white supremacists would kind of try to veil or they would just call themselves nationalists, right. um, try to stay under the radar. But um, they are really emboldened uh, to be openly uh, violent neo-Nazis now. So that's a fairly new thing. So Jordan Green, uh, uh, an investigative journalist, you're based in Greensboro, North Carolina, and you, you cover right wing extremism for, for Ross story. Um, did mm -hmm. you, I mean, did, have you seen this rise of Nazism? I mean, uh, when I first heard, I, we just moved from Florida to Arizona. So I was very centered on the Florida stories and, uh, Ron DeSantis, no friend to, um, the civilized people in Florida. Uh, but I was kind of astounded that he had nothing to say when these Nazi groups started parading in front of this, the sign at Disney World. It, no criticism, yeah. no nothing. And I realized, you know, this is what Donald Trump brought in. He, he, he opened the floodgates for people to expose their inner bigot, racist, Nazi 
uh, hater, you name it, um, <laughs> you know, whatever that their worst, their worst parts of them to just bring it out, you know, let your freak fr- flag fly and show what a heinous human being you are. That's, I think, one of his gifts to this world. And I think your your point about Ron DeSantis is well taken because he um, uh, kind of pushed these attacks on uh, trans people and LGBT people, the don't say gay bill, um, and then kind of attacking uh, Disney as a proxy for um, acceptance of LGBTQ plus people. Um, and neo-Nazis who are very active in the state of Florida, they latched onto it and ex- exploited that, pushing the same message during these protests against uh, Disney. Um, of course, where the cognitive disconnect for DeSantis is, is he's a very staunch uh, supporter of Israel, and neo-Nazis um, want to destroy Israel. So, um, Well, but, but, then- but, but we have to realize the reason he and the evangelicals, the, the ultra-crazy right-wingers, are so supportive of Israel is because they think that—I'm Jewish—they think that— we Israel needs to survive and we all need to go back to Israel so that they can be raptured because they live in this, mm-hmm. in this weird world. So they think for the apocalypse to happen, Israel has to survive. And that's the reason they support Israel. No other reason. That's what I think. Right. Anyway. Yeah. No, I think you're right about that. I mean, but for um, Ron DeSantis, an association with uh, neo-Nazis is a liability, although I think he did um, uh, he did have a, a an intern who was a groiper, uh, part of a, the white nationalist group under Fuentes. Um, I, I could be slightly wrong about that, but he was exposed last summer and had to to quit anyway. Um, and we should say, we should point- also say that the Nazis don't only go after mm-hmm. Jews. This group that you've been you know, that you've honed in on, uh, it's Jews, it's blacks, it's gay people, trans. You know anybody who's not them. If you're not white and Christian, you're in their you're in their sights, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think um, you know this. This group, um, they their main thing is like anti-Semitic vandalism, um, but I, I do point out that they um, they show their admiration for mass shooters and um, more extreme kinds of violence. And we oftentimes, uh, when we look at these mass shootings, we oftentimes kind of get, in my opinion, too hung up on the specific victim. But right. um, all, all of these groups, like you say, are the target of um, neo-Nazis, uh, the, um, you know, black parishioners in Charleston, South Carolina, um, Latinos, immigrants in, uh, in El Paso, Texas at Walmart and Jews in the synagogues in right. Pittsburgh and San Diego. Um, so it is all part of a, um, a worldview, a neo-Nazi effort to, um, destroy, I mean, to, it sees Jews as the main enemy. They want to subjugate women. They want to eliminate homosexuality. They want to drive non-white people out of, um, in, off the land, essentially. How, I mean, how did they, how did they amass followers and supporters with that kind of, I guess there's a lot more horrible people around than, than I wanted to believe. Well, I mean, partly by, um, 
lying about their ideology to people who might be somewhat adjacent and that they want to recruit. So I think, you know, exposing them for who they are is very important, but, um, you know, I would say they, they really thrive off of fear and their objective is to splinter, um, society so that a, um, kind of a rump, uh, minority of aggrieved white people can take take power and take control. Wow. Now, um, Jordan, can you tell us about, the, there's a small group who are the core of this 2119 organization, and it is an organization. Tell us about them, what you discovered in this very long, in-depth investigative report. Well, what was surprising to me is like many of them had uh, run-ins with the FBI um, early in the development of um, the 2119 group, even before they embarked on this spate of uh, anti-Semitic attacks in the summer of this past year. And um, I mean, one of them I know has said that he was um, arrested by the FBI for terroristic threatening, um, which is some kind of threat of mass mass violence. Um, and was detained in a juvenile facility in Alabama. Um, another similarly was interviewed by the FBI about some posts. Uh, the post evidently had something to do with the firearm based on his social media and um, burning an LGBTQ flat, uh, pride flag and talking about going to some, attend some events. Wow. Um, there, there's a handful of young people. They're now, uh, I guess they're not teenagers anymore. Maybe they're 20, 21. Who are the, the do, do we know the origins, the beginning of this group? Or were they just kids screwing around? I, I've started to learn a little bit more about it from um, sources that were uh, involved in the early days. And what I've been told is that it was started by um, Waylon Fowler, this uh, young man who is facing charges for hate crimes in Florida. Um, and then he basically started a Discord channel, uh, a gaming platform where kids, very mainstream gaming platform where kids chat. And um, he started it during the summer of 2020 in reaction to the protests against um, police brutality and against in reaction to LGBTQ uh, plus pride and um, really uh, convene a group of teenagers from across the United States and really around the world. And um, I'm told that he kind of planted discriminatory ideas and then encouraged the kids to go out and, and do graffiti and kind of externalize or express their hatred. So the bottom line is, okay, so it was kids, they were teenagers when they started this, this Wayland kid and a couple of others, and they are actively recruiting children, white mm-hmm. children, to join their band of, of merry uh, bigots and racists and Nazi and become Nazis. Um, you know, it's so not funny, haha, but strange. Uh, we were talking Disney and, and Ron DeSantis saying, oh, Disney's indoctrinating our kids into sex. And no, these people are indoctrinating our kids. Disney is sorry, wholesome, sweet family fun. 
and with a, an occasional nod and a wink to the parents so that they're not bored out of their minds when they're watching these movies with their kids over and over again. Um, the way they twist things is just horrific. But but they're targeting children. You know, they're doing this Here all over the place, right? And, and if I could add, just conscientiously using Roblox, a, a game that teenagers play for um, an imaginative game as a in to recruit children and um, skateboarding, trying to co-op skateboarding, which is a culture oh that people of all races have developed and claim and trying to claim it as a, as a white uh, culture and then kind of normalizing white supremacy and hate to these lonely kids that they find um, through skate culture. And again, you got Donald Trump basically saying, it's okay. It's okay to let your inner racists shine. Um, it, he's given them permission to take off the white hood and and parade it proudly, which is is astounding. Um, so yeah, and one of the points that that I think about is interesting is that during Trump's first run for president in 2015-16, a lot of these kids were 12 and 13 years old. So this is what they've grown up with. Um, and, you know, in a sense, I think, you know, their cons conservative parents are horrified by their neo-Nazi ideas, but Trump is kind of the baseline for them. And uh, right. neo-Nazism is the next step. So you, you actually wrote another story about the parents. The headline is parents of 2119 Nazi teens haunted by fear and regret. Um, so in talking to them, uh, first of all, did you find any of the parents that were perhaps um, sending signals that, th th that this is the right path for their kids to follow, or were they mostly all no. horrified by it? No, absolutely not. I mean, I spoke to one father, and um, I could just tell that he was mortified by and, uh, you know, really just kind of bewildered that his son had fallen into this and looking for a way to ex extricate him. Um, others have said, um, another has you know, said to his fellow neo-Nazis that his parents don't approve of his activity. Wow. Um, another, I'm sorry? Another thing that I talked to was just um, very non-communicative, but he just seemed really weary. That's You know, we, so, uh, we, we did see just a couple of weeks ago the first time a parent was taken to trial. Um, uh, the, she, the mother of a mass shooter was found guilty of manslaughter for her sons murdering these kids. And the kid's father goes on trial, I think, next month. Um, that's a good development, I think, because if your kid's a minor, sorry, parents, you need to monitor what they're doing. Uh, the Internet is a wonderful tool. It's also really dangerous. I think it's what brought... You know, January 6th wouldn't have happened without the Internet. And probably mm -hmm. 2119 wouldn't be more than a couple of kids sitting in a treehouse without the Internet. Yeah, I'm not really sure um, I would equate the two. I mean, kids bringing guns to school, I can more see how you would hold the parents accountable for that. Whereas um, kids getting on the Internet, I mean, I've talked to uh, an expert, Dana Kester, who studies media and online radicalization. And she was saying, you know, she really feels for the parents because the truth is that if 
your kids are online, they are exposed to white supremacy and anti-Semitism and every other toxic ideology. So um, I think it's really hard for parents to kind of figure out how to guide their children to be um, sophisticated users of the internet. So. Well, yeah, it's it's almost an oxymoron because if you're a teenager, you're not sophisticated. You don't know these things. And believe me, I just raised one. She's She'll be 25 in a couple of months. I'm so glad those years are over because having a kid in the internet age when they're online and you can't monitor everything they do as much as I tried, you don't know what they're doing. And this is this is what happens. Yes. I mean, it's really vexing. I mean, we need to have a discussion about um, regulation of the Internet, which is beyond certainly beyond my area of expertise, but um, also just the psychology of teenagers and how they interact with this technology. And I am trying to figure it out myself. I mean, I think oftentimes I recognize recognizing how much online I am myself as an adult, that it's almost like hypocritical to tell children not to be online, especially after we've raised them through a pandemic. Um, <laughs> and um, I, I mean, the angle that I, I always come back to is like that we need to just teach children to be skeptical of what they see on the internet and to develop their own, a, a strong set of values that they are not going to be swayed by influencers who are incentivized um, by outrage and um, right. incentivized, yeah, by saying the most outrageous thing they can to get clicks and views. Oh. And, and but that's how the, that's how a kid's mind operates. They're not sophisticated enough. They they haven't lived enough to know. And many of them just have nothing but to say. If your parent tells you something, you're going to do the opposite. So it's a challenge. It's mm-hmm. it's a challenge. Now, you, they found out that you were investigating w- their activities and they started targeting you? Yes, that's right. Um, they, um, there was a group of older Nazis that I've written about, um, in the past, um, including Sean Kaufman, who kind of attached himself to a mayoral campaign in the Nashville area, um, and William Jarrett Smith, a former Army soldier who's who spent time in prison for um, distributing manuals on bomb making. Oh um, in so uh, they were, you know, unhappy about the reporting that I had done on them, and. Um, and they kind of linked up with the 2119 teenagers um, and um, kind of put the pressure on me to try to deter me from reporting on this and publishing our investigation. Now they threatened you, they threatened your family, they came to your house? Yeah, they came to my house um, uh, a couple of weeks, about 10 days before we, we published it, um, six people, six men, um, some of them were holding emergency traffic flares and holding them out in a Nazi salute. And one was holding a sign that was warning of a consequence for, um, reporting on 2119. Oh my. So how do you, I mean, wh- how do you deal with something like that? What, what d- uh, did you, did it make you want to stop doing the story or did it make you more determined to get it out there or anything in between? 
I mean, that's not going to deter me from reporting. I mean, this is the bedrock um, uh, principle of democracy is to report um, without fear or favor. And um, so I will continue to do that. Um, I, they, you know, they, they certainly are going, they certainly are using the same tactics against journalists that they use against um other groups that they dislike. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yes, I'll, I'll continue to report on extremism and whatever currents un- unfold during this election year. Right. And once again, they've been given permission by Donald Trump to go after journalists because, you know, he in the best uh, fascist manner possible set, calls the, the media, the press, the enemy of the people. Well, that's what Mm. they say in a dictatorship. That's what they say in an authoritarian regime. And that's what Donald Trump wants to be. You know, what I don't get is these people, you know, saying, yeah, it'd be really cool. It'd be great with a dictator. Are they just Mm -hmm. going along with the crowd? I mean, I guess these people don't have much in in terms of brain power or they wouldn't be Nazis. But uh, it's astounding that this is going on. And my point in wanting to talk to you today and amplify the story is to say not only is it happening, it's growing. These people are multiplying, aren't they? Yeah, well, there's there's it is kind of cyclical. But what I um see is that there is kind of there is a cycle of violent neo-nazi groups returning they're more extreme than MAGA than the kind of january 6th core and i do think that um there is unfortunately kind of a vacuum due to the the federal prosecution of the january 6th um and so violent neo-nazis are kind of coming in to fill that that vacuum um, so, so yes, in, in the wake of that, then let me ask you this. How is you're in North Carolina? How has law enforcement reacted to the threats you're getting? Are they doing anything? Do they care? Um, I would just say that law enforcement is aware of it. I mean, I can't really, unfortunately, I can't really say that much about that. Um, but, um, do you, to your do point, you, now, do you feel, though, that, you know, they're looking out for you at least? Or is, is you know, law enforcement these days, we saw some of the cops on January 6th siding with the the, the insurrectionists. That's why I, I, I don't, it's, we don't know just on the surface, you know, who's a good guy and who's a bad guy anymore, it seems. So do, right, you, do you feel right. safe? Um yeah, I mean the there there is kind of a division within law enforcement. So, um, yeah, I have no uh, I have no issue or complaints about law enforcement, but I'm just going to refrain from gotcha. saying anything more in in this case. Um, is it an ongoing? Sorry, it's an ongoing investigation. You can't really comment on an ongoing investigation, or whether there is an investigation or, or not. not. Um, I got you. Okay. Well, these are dangerous people um, we're talking about, so I guess you don't want to poke the bear. Um, I, I mean, I will continue to do the reporting. So that's, I mean, that is my role is just to report uh, the truth of my findings uh, as I normally would. So 
uh, nothing has changed. I mean, I did I did want to say more a little more about the history of the white power movement. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I guess I do set do think you know they have a cogent worldview. Um, and and I guess the reason that I bring that up is it does make sense that they are trying to intimidate uh, journalists. They have carried out swatting attacks against um, a journalist who um, unmasked a similar group about f- four years ago called Adam Waffen. Um, and part of the reason for trying to int- intimidate journalists is that in addition to um, attacking black people, attacking Jews, LGBTQ people, immigrants, Muslims, um, Nazis want to attack the um, civil society. They want to create a, a collapse of civil society. So targeting, um, you know, politicians and uh, people in the media, um, people in the academics, people in the elite intelligentsia. I mean, that's like part of their their grand strategy to kind of cause a collapse of society where an authoritarian can emerge and they can build white ethno states. And so in that sense, their efforts to intimidate journalists kind of make a, some kind of sense. Yeah, it it makes sense in their warped worldview. Um, But to, to those of us who are trying to lead a, a boring regular life. It's terrifying. And that this is just, you can, you know, Nashville, they're just blatant. They're just brazenly marching through the streets, carrying swastika flags and basically said, daring anyone to do anything about it. It's, um, you know, in my lifetime, I've never seen it this in your face before. And, and that it is seemingly more and more, uh, omnipotent that it's everywhere in this election year where Donald Trump and his people have said a, a guy at CPAC this weekend, which where, by the way, there were Nazis. There were Nazis there. And and CPAC yeah, is yeah. going, oh no, there weren't. And CB and NBC cameraman said, oh yes, there were. Here's video. Um and they just looked the other way. It, it, so it's at a time when they're saying openly, we're here to overturn democracy. It's mm-hmm. it's frightening. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I interview a lot of people and I have some who are very much into, you know, uh, covering everything that's going on. And and, you know, one of them said there's there's not a non-zero chance there will be a lot of political violence this year. Um yeah, so we're sort of expecting that. And and you even alluded to a race war. They want to trigger a race war? And that's been the objective since at least the early 80s. Like, I highly recommend a book by Kathleen Ballou called Bring the War Home about how in the post-Vietnam era and after the civil rights movement, um, white supremacists converted from, instead of seeing themselves as kind of vigilantes who are extending the racism of the state, they saw themselves as overthrowing the state. The state is the enemy. And they started using this language about um, Zog's Zionist occupied government, which, um, you know, they, they honestly believe it's a rhetorical talking point, but they honest, they do believe that they need to overthrow the government. And 
one way right. to do that is to pit different groups against each other to um, to create a collapse of trust in democracy. So uh, that's that's been their goal all along, and uh, you should people should really take them at their word on that. It's not just kind of like hyperbole that's meant no. to shock. Right. So uh, people be aware because it's not uh, it's not as safe as it used to be. I'm getting older, you know, we all. But, you know, God, I look back on things when I was a kid. We could go outside and play. And when it got dark out, you knew you had to go home for dinner. Um, It's not like that anymore because, look, they're targeting kids. They want them young so they can indoctrinate them I, I i talk about opposite world but the, and they mm-hmm. they claim that disney's indoctrinating our kids no they are and they're indoctrinating them to hate others the other uh and uh we're living in some dangerous times i think and i really say that to build uh, as a counterpoint to that i mean to build up resiliency against that kind of fracturing and um spread of hate is just building um ties with our, our neighbors having face-to-face conversations <laughs> with our neighbors, um, you know, even across differences, but That's right. we're all kind of uh, the big messy coalition of humanity. We're all in this together to try to preserve democracy. And that means working uh, across lines of belief and yeah. political belief to uh, make this society work for, for all of us. Well, uh, it's, a, it's a great aspiration, and we don't seem to be on that track right now, but maybe we need to to think about, you know, moderating our anger. <laughs> it's not just us. I mean, uh, anyway, Jordan Green, thank you. Thank you for writing these stories, and thank you to Raw Story for giving you the freedom to do it. Um, you know, I, I always looked at Raw Story as sort of just a, a news aggregation site where I can find clips all in one place. But seeing that you did this a long, in-depth investigation, and this is some meaty stuff, uh, I'm really glad to hear it. So congratulations on that. And, and thank the people who run Raw Story for, uh, for, for doing that. I will. Thank you. Yeah, we're really building up the, our investigative team at Raw Story. So I appreciate the, the, uh, the acknowledgement. And thank you for having me on your show. Jordan Green of Raw Story with a really important article. I yeah. hope you check out. Wow. Uh, it's terrifying, right? It's yeah. just terrifying. All right. Stick around because it is the 15th anniversary of the Green <laughs> News Report, and we've got the latest coming up next. Don't go away. It's the broadcast. You're listening to the Bradcast. We are 100% listener supported thanks to listeners like you who stop by bradblog.com/donate. Okay, home stretch on the Bradcast here. I'm Bradcast producer Desi Doyan with guest host Nicole Sandler, and it's time for our latest Green News report. About 500,000 said they had not yet returned home. Weather disasters displaced more than two and a half million Americans from their homes last year. Texas real estate prices plunge after new flood risk disclosure law. Plus, it's no secret, you know, that 
that these big companies have not been forthright with the people of Chicago, really the people of the country. Chicago sues five major oil companies over climate damages. All of those major stories and more straight ahead from Bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. For months, we've been treated to a steady stream of very good economic news. Unemployment is low. The stock market is high. We're investing billions in a green energy economy. Only minutes after it was too late. (laughs) Ouch! This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, well, I guess it is only fitting that uh, on this, the 15th anniversary episode of the Green News Report, I am sick as a dog, (laughs) given that uh, you, on our very first episode back in February of 2009, were sick as a dog, and I thought it was hilarious at the time. (laughs) Yes, and now we've come full circle. Who's got the last laugh now? Me! Congratulations. What do you have for us today, Des? Well, first, a bizarre winter heat wave is hitting the central U.S. as we go to air. And in the Northeast, the longest sled dog race in the eastern United States has been canceled due to a lack of snow on the ground. Mm. Winter has been pretty much a no-show this year for much of the U.S. Less snow could mean drought and fires this summer. A grim new statistic for the United States, weather-related disasters forced more than two and a half million Americans from their homes in 2023, according to new data from the Census Bureau. Last year, the U.S. saw a record 28 disasters that cost at least $1 billion each in damage. Of the two and a half million victims that were displaced, more than a third said they had been out of their homes for longer than a month. More than half reported interactions with people who seemed to be trying to defraud them. Hurricanes and floods were the most common cause of displacement, followed by fires. The states with the most displaced people were Florida, Texas, California, and Louisiana. Then again, they also have the most people. In related news, some areas in Texas are seeing home prices drop in the wake of a new state law that forces sellers to disclose a property's actual flood risk. A new study found that prices have plunged on average by about $15,000 in areas most affected by the law. Many states are considering similar mandatory flood risk disclosure laws modeled after Texas to begin addressing the rising cost of damages from flooding and storms and the mismatch between flood insurance prices and the actual cost of weather disasters. Modeled after Texas. That's something you rarely hear when you're talking about a favorable bill. In the UK's North Sea, a new study warns that abandoned, decaying oil and gas pipelines are likely to release large volumes of toxins like mercury and radioactive metals when the pipelines corrode. Countries like Australia require companies to remove pipelines when an oil well is closed, but in the UK's North Sea, companies are allowed to leave them to rot. In the US, despite federal rules requiring removal of decomposition commissioned pipelines. Data from 2021 shows energy regulators are still allowing oil and gas companies to abandon most pipelines in the Gulf of Mexico with little oversight. You know, 
Your stories haven't gotten any cheerier over 15 years. Nope. Finally, the city of Chicago has filed suit against five major oil companies, including Exxon, Shell, and Chevron, and their powerful lobbying group, the American Petroleum Institute, for knowingly causing climate change and deceiving the public about the dangers caused by burning their products. Similar oil industry liability lawsuits have been filed in other states. Chicago's lawsuit seeks damages for rising costs incurred by intensifying flood impacts, damage to city infrastructure, extreme heat, shoreline erosion, and air pollution. Here's Chicago Mayor Brandon Johnson in a press conference. It's no secret, you know, that that these big companies have not been forthright with the people of Chicago, really the people of the country, because they've admitted behind closed doors that there's real climate change, but they've done nothing uh, to mitigate it. And so, you know, we want to see a real commitment to policy changes. Nice. Go get them, Chicago. Toddle in town. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com, where we are celebrating now 15 years of the Green News Report, and yet... Desi Doyen has yet to solve climate change. (laughs) True. Nonetheless, congratulations to you on 15 years. You too. And thanks to those of you who stopped by bradblog.com slash donate to keep the Green News Report on your public airwaves. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. And this has been your 15th anniversary Green News Report. Chicago, Chicago, that toddle in town. Chicago. I still can't believe it's been 15 years. (laughs) You guys have been doing the Green News Report. Uh, Wow, I feel old. I'm Nicole Sandler, your (laughs) guest host on the broadcast. You can find me regularly at NicoleSandler.com, should you care to check out my show. And uh, big thanks to Brad uh, for inviting me and Desi for hanging with me. Oh, my God. Thank you for being the captain of our ship today. (laughs) And thanks, of course, to all of our listeners for spending part of your day or night with us. Brad should be back soon. We do miss him. Um, And, of course, uh, if you missed any portion of today's show, you can always download it for free at bradblog.com. That is a service made possible by those of you kind enough to stop by bradblog.com slash donate to make sure that we can stay on your public airwaves. Email Email us at bradcast at bradblog.com and follow us on the Facebooks, Twitters, and Mastodons at The Brad Blog. We will see you there until we see you here next time, hopefully with Brad. Until then, as Brad likes to say, good luck, world. (laughs) 